Good morning. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, this was kind of last minute. I, I reached out to Chris about two weeks ago, and I said, um, I texted him, and I said, hey, I would you like to start Sunday off? And I pressed send, and like the moment after, I got a text back, yes! Love it. Uh, I know Chris has been holding down the fort and doing a great job, and uh, so hopefully you had a good week this week, but hey, um, you're back on for that one day of work that you do uh, every week. So, uh, so my name's Craig. Uh, know some of you guys, I don't know everyone, uh, but I uh, was a pastor here for a long time, and then for the last seven, going on eight years, been in Colorado, and um, pastoring there, but um, our family's going through a bit of a transition. We actually uh, resigned from being a pastor uh, there at our church, Valley Fellowship Church, uh, there in September. Um, yeah, I got caught up in some gambling stuff, and I'm just kidding, I didn't do anything dumb or anything like that, I just... But it was just worn out, just worn out and needed a break, um, uh, worn out to the point where just um, wasn't, wasn't really thinking right about my relationship, kind of forget, thinking that uh, I'm, I'm a pastor, I got to be doing this, got to be doing this, just forgetting that I am his beloved, like we sang about this morning. And so really needed to take a break from that. And uh, so right now, we're just chilling out in uh, Colorado. Uh, we're like normal people now. Like I, I do, uh, I have a friend who's a developer and so I'm working for his construction company, uh, which is great because as a pastor, you could go months and be like, did I accomplish anything uh, in February? I know it was a short month, but did I accomplish anything? But man, in construction, man, you, every day you're like, I did 16 things today. So that's pretty nice. Um, so we've stepped down from that, kind of just waiting and seeing what God has next for, for us and our family. Um, and I know some people are, right now are thinking, um, well, um, hey, Craig's out of a job and um, we're looking for a pastor. That's not why I'm here. Uh, that is not anywhere close uh, to what we feel like God has next for us. Really just want to take a break from being a pastor. So um, here's the deal. This might be hard for you. Um, don't you go falling in love with me today, all right? All right? So yeah. Hashtag guard your heart. Um, so anyways, so we're just really, really glad to be here. And in this transition, it's been, let me tell you, being a pastor is, is a hard, hard, hard job. It's weird. It's not just weird for you, but it's weird for your family. And there's just all this different stuff. And so um, so as I, as I wrapped up, you know, um, kind of let the church know beginning of September, ended in September. One of the last things I did was a funeral. And um, so we have this little courtyard in our, uh, it's like this inside garden kind of atrium type thing in our church. It's really beautiful. Uh, anyways, so I, I did the funeral. Um, I went, I turned my keys in uh, in the office. And then I went to like the, re- the, the family for the dinner, just say goodbye to a couple of people and things like that. And um, someone was vaping in our, in our um, atrium there. And so uh, Deacon came up to me like, oh, hey, they're, they're, they're vaping over there. Um, what are we going to do? And I said, I, I don't know what you're going to do, but I just turned my keys in. So not my problem. Oh, I'm out. So anyways, it's a big transition. One of the transitions with our family was, um, and this was an eye-opening moment for, for me, um, was we were, we were home one day and we were talking and joking around and everything. And I, uh, I made a joke, um, and it was, it's not funny because I'm a dad, right? Dads don't, aren't funny, they lose that. But uh, I made a joke, and in this joke, I, it was a double entendre, I'm kind of a tongue-in-cheek, and I used the, the King James version of the word donkey. Are you following me yet? Right? So I, anyway, and it could, you could have taken it as donkey or you could have taken it as something else. And anyways, joke wasn't fall, funny, fell flat. But one of my teenagers were all immediately were like, um, so to, now that you're not a pastor, can we talk like normal people? Right? Can, can we do that? Because I've been holding back 
And I, and I just need to know if this is okay. Like, we're normal people now. And I said, no, 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 we're not normal people. There's nothing normal about us. And, and, but it's a good question, right? It's a good question. Can I say that? Right? Can, can I say that? Is this okay to say? Are, are these words okay to say? I thought, well, hey, I'm going to come and preach. Why don't we talk about something practical? What can you say and what can you not say? So I've got a list of things you can't say. We're just going to look at, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, so what can I say and why should I say it and things like that? Can I, can I use bad words? Can I use potty talk? Can, can people excuse my French? Um, can, I, can I cuss? Can I curse? Um, what, what are some other euphemisms for bad language? Did I get them all? Obscenities, whatever. Can, can, I, can I say this? Is it okay for me to say? Is it okay for you to say? Is it okay for me to say as an adult, but not you as a kid? Can my teenager say this, but my four-year-old can't say this? Like when my, when my four-year-old says it, like, oh my goodness, that just sounded horrible. That's just wrong. But when it comes out of a teenager's mouth, that's just kind of normal. Big question. Is it toots or farts? Right? Is it? I mean, what do we... And some of the, we're so, we're so spread out on this. Some of you just heard me said fart and you're like, did he just say the F word? I, I, where, where am I? I thought I was at church this morning. This guy's talking about toots and farts up there. I mean, what is going on? And we're all over the map on this. And so I thought, let's just come. Let's just, let's just clear it up. Let's just talk about this. And so we can know what's okay and what's not okay. And the good news is, this is good news, is the Bible actually talks about this. And so we got a couple of verses I'm going to throw up here. And um, we'll just read these verses and we'll wrap it up. Um, don't let any unwholesome talk, talk come out of your mouth. Um, nor should there be um, obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. So, there it is. Let's pray. Happy Thanksgiving. We're good to go. Yes, that, let's have this guy back more often. Uh, so, so, there it is. Some of you are thinking, all right, good, finally Craig said it, right? Man, I, I, I have kept my language clean. My mouth is as pure as the wind-driven snow. I mean, this, this is good. I knew I was better than most people, so now it's nice that Craig finally confirms it. So this is awesome. Some of you are thinking, this is why Christianity is so hard. I can't live the Christian life because, man, that's just part of my vernacular. That's just who I am. And that's, hey, that's, that's what we call that stuff. Right? You might call it poop, but our family, we call it something else. And so I don't know if I could, you know, I, I can't go with this. And so you're either, you're either beating yourself up or you're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm pretty good, you know. Here it is. But I, I want to tell you the truth. For both of you, the people who think that they're doing great and they're better than most people, and then the people who think, okay, I could never do this. I can never follow Jesus. And I knew I wasn't good enough. I got good news for both of you is you are both wrong. You're both wrong about what you should say and why you should say it and how we should live this way. And so for us to understand this, here's what I want to do. Um, I, I want us to talk this through this morning and understand why we say certain things, why we don't say other things. Well, and why does Paul even take time to do this? It's not that big of a deal, is it? I mean... If, you, if you've walked through a high school or a middle school lately, it's not that big of a deal. If you come with me to and work on my construction job, it, it's not that big of a deal. Here's, here's the other thing. If you stand in a lift line at a ski resort, and that's, that's where I like to spend most of my time is in lift lines, the F word is the new um, right? I mean, instead of saying, like, um, people just drop the F bomb. And so it's like, so it's, it's, it's just, it's all the way out there. It's not that big of a deal. Why would even Paul talk about it? Well, that's what I want to do this morning. So to do that, to understand that, I think to get the full picture, we've got to go back just a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean all the way. We have to go back to the beginning of the universe. Um, so here's what happened. 
Um, and I say here's what happened with the real authority because um, the Bible talks about this, but also science um, talks about this. Scientists say the exact same thing that the Bible said. In the beginning, there was nothing. And in an instant, everything came into being. <laughs> All matter was there. It came from an infinitesimally small point, and then it was everywhere in an instant. That's what the Bible says. That's what scientists say. So that's kind of cool. We love it when those things come together. Um, so in the beginning, God creates the universe, and he creates all this, and then he creates uh, um, as, as kind of a masterpiece of his creation. He creates you and me. And I say masterpiece because he says there's something different about this creation is I'm going to make them image bearers of mine. They're going to be little pieces. It's like a little piece of me out there. And, and we'll have stuff in common and, we'll, and they'll, under, they'll understand me a little bit and I'll be able to love them in a way that I can't just love the rest of my creation because they are my image bearers. They're going to, they're going to be uh, little me's everywhere I put them. And they will bear my image and we'll have this great relationship and, and they will be um, um, kings and queens inside of my kingdom. I'll be the main king, but they're going to they're help rule this and they're going to create wonderful things. They're going to be co-creators with me. And he named these, these two that he started with. He named them Adam and Eve. And Adam means human and Eve means life. And so he created human life. I, just, I like how that sounds. So he has human life and he puts them in the garden and he calls it Eden. And that means delight. And so he takes human life and he puts it inside of his delight. And it is wonderful. And it is just this kingdom of reciprocating love, of, of, of a dance that goes back and forth, just of love between one another. And they have this amazing relationship. Um, um, human life have this amazing relationship with the creator of the universe where they get to walk in the cool of the evening with him. I mean, that's pretty sweet. It was a great relationship, but but God was, did not just want to make a, a legion of robots, a horde of slaves. So he said, here's, what the, here's the deal. Since you are image bearers of me, one of the things about me is I have my own will and I'm going to give you your own will as well. You get to make some choices. You get to do some things. And, and I'm going to lay out some choices in front of you. One of the choices that I'm laying out in front of you is there's this tree in the middle. And, it, and if you eat of the fruit of that, it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, um, but here's the deal. You don't need anything from that tree. You've got no, every other tree in the garden, you've got some needs for them. They, they taste good. They, they, you need the um, sustenance. You need all that. So you, you got to go for those trees. You don't need anything from this tree because you got me. I'm your king. I'm your God. I tell you what's good and evil. And you just need to stick with me. I'm not going to, I love you. I'm not going to lead you down anywhere where, where you don't want to go. So you don't need anything from that tree. But as we know, human and life, they took from the tree, there was this evil being, the, the Bible says that that evil being was represented as a snake, and a snake came and said, hey, you know the reason why God doesn't really want you to eat from that is because he knows that once you eat from that, you will have the knowledge of good and evil, and you'll be able to decide what you think is best, and what you think is right, and what you think is wrong, and you won't need him anymore, because you'll be as good as him, as big as him, as important as him, you'll be your own kings. You guys are actually, you think you're free, you're not free right now, he's the king. And so they said, okay, fine, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It looks good to eat. So they ate it. And, well, then that destroyed the kingdom. The kingdom was then 
broke. No longer where they have this relationship of, of um, a brother, sister, um, a father, son, and daughter, a friendship anymore. They broke it and they said, no, we no longer want you to be king. We're going to be our own kings and queens and we're going to make our own decisions. And, and the kingdom was divided. And here's the, here's the real sad thing about it. Human in life thought they were going to be the rulers of their new kingdom, but they weren't. They were just slaves to the evil in their own hearts. And evil and darkness and sin ruled over them. And we saw it immediately in their life. The next generation, the sons of human and life, one killed the other. And this catastrophe just rolled on and on and on through history. And finally... They built community. They built community. They all came together. And they're not living under the kingship of God anymore. But now they're living under this whole fight for their own kingship and their own rules and their own rights. But they they got to a point and they finally said, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily want to submit to God, king. But I'm tired of this other evil kingship that we lead to. And they said, let's make a name for ourselves. Right? And I think they just got to the point where like, okay, we understand we are under the rule of evil. We don't want that anymore. But we also don't want to be on the rule of God. So let's make a name for ourselves. Which, by the way, very secretively and seductively is actually the evil kingdom. Is when you want to make a name for yourself and you want to exalt yourself. And so they said, we're going to do this. We're going to build a big um, tower. And that tower, the name of that tower was the Tower of... Babel, that's right, you guys are right. So we have the Tower of Babel. If you are a Bible reader, you, you know that Babel is the first part of the word Babylon, right? So Babylon represents as the archetype for all evil culture throughout all time. So um, Egypt, right? Egypt was Babylon. Um, Persia was Babylon. Babylon was Babylon. Uh, Rome was Babylon. Even now in our own world, um, every culture, every kingdom that is not under the kingship of God is Babylon. And so they built this, built this tower and built this community and they realized that they didn't get freedom. They didn't get freedom from the kingship of evil and, the, and darkness and sin, but actually they enslaved themselves to it with every brick and every piece of mortar that they put up to build this. Well, God made a promise to, to human and life in the garden. He said, hey, you destroyed this kingdom. You separated this kingdom. And, I, and, and everything has changed between us. But I am making a way back. I'm making a way back for you to come back into this relationship, back into this kingdom, back into uh, um, to, the son, to be the sons and daughters of the king, to be the friend of the king. I'm making a way back. And that way began out of Babylon. The original Babylon is where Abram came from. Abram, God calls him out of that and says, hey, I'm going to start this new kingdom through you. Everyone on earth, every single person on earth will be blessed because of your descendants. And, and, and I'm going to show people what this kingdom looks like. And so through Abraham and through these people, we get little glimpses of what the kingdom could be. And then it just crumbles and it gets built up. We're like, oh, this is good. This is good. Oh, and it crumbles. And oh, we got David. He's great. And then crumbles. Oh, Solomon uh, crumbles. And we keep on getting bits and pieces of this new kingdom, but we never get the whole thing. And then finally, finally, the king invades Babylon. The king, through an embryo, through a fetus, through a baby, sneaks himself into Babylon. 
And, and he grows up, and as he grows up, he begins to teach about the kingdom. And he constantly is talking about the kingdom. He says, the kingdom is like this, and the kingdom is like this. And he points out, he says, hey, the, the, kingdom, the kingdom is completely different than Babylon. He said, in, in this new kingdom, in my kingdom, the first will be last. And the last will be first. In my kingdom, the overwhelming ethic of my kingdom is love. So much so. Here's how crazy that love will conquer and take over in my kingdom. That you will love your enemies and want the absolute best for them. In my kingdom, here's the ethic, is anyone who's in front of you is a son and daughter of me, no matter what they believe, no matter what they think, no matter how they treat you. And because they're my sons and daughters, you are going to treat them accordingly. You're going to love them like you love yourself, like you love me. And by loving them, you are loving me. This is what the kingdom looks like. And he goes around and teaches this. And then, and then he starts saying, things are getting crazy. And he starts saying, oh, by the way, I'm the king. I am the king of this kingdom. And the way that you get into this kingdom is by putting your faith in me. That's, that's the kingdom we're talking about here today. And everyone liked the kingdom talk and they were going along with it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, the, king, the kingdom sounds great. First will be last and last will be first. And, and I love that. And then all of a sudden he starts saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the king. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. He starts saying these things and then people are like, mm-mm. I don't like this. Well, the king's inauguration day came. And he was paraded through the capital city of Jerusalem. But he wasn't paraded through like a conquering warrior. Wasn't paraded like a president accepting his term. He was paraded carrying his own cross after being beaten. He was given, on his inauguration day, he was given a royal robe, a purple robe they draped over his shoulders. But they did that just to mock him. And the only thing that that robe did for him was serve to open up his sores again after being flogged. He was given a crown, not a golden crown, but a crown of thorns placed and shoved into his skull. He was exalted, raised on high, not to a throne, but to a cross of crucifixion. All this under a banner that said king, but it was just to mock him. And in the last moments, he wasn't given a scepter of power, but a spear that pierced his lungs and his heart. And the king died. But our king was not from Babylon. And even though he came into Babylon and absorbed all of the sin, all of the darkness, all of the hate, everything that Babylon could throw at him, and he took it all and he took it into death with him, he was not from Babylon and Babylon had nothing on him. And so on the third day, he rose from the grave showing everyone, Babylon ain't got nothing on me. All the sin, all the hate, I took care of that. I took that to death with me, and now I am alive. Death has no sting. I am the victor. I am the king. You want some of this? Call me your king. And that's what people did. He showed himself to hundreds of people. And and this is a big churn. 
This is a big turn in the events of, of people who followed Jesus. All of a sudden, they did something different. Rather than just following and obeying him and enjoying the miracles he did, they began to worship him, and he didn't stop them. This is how they became part of his kingdom. They did not ask Jesus into their hearts. They did not make them his personal savior. They didn't even ask him to forgive their sins. They just made him king. You're king. We want part of your kingdom. Now, making him their king, yes, he became their personal savior. He personally saved them from their sins. Yes, he forgave them of their sins. Yes, yes, he lives inside of them through the Holy Spirit. But that was just a byproduct of making him king. No one asked Jesus into their heart. No one said the sinner's prayer. No one threw the stick in the fire at camp on the last night. They made him king of their lives. And they entered his kingdom. And then, and then Jesus was like, all right, hey guys, I'm glad you're in. I'm glad you're part of the kingdom now. Here's what we're going to do. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And they're all like, sweet, this is great, man. Let's get out there. Let's get the news out there. We'll, we'll do a tour, Jesus. We'll get you, get you out there in front of the people. And he said, all the, king, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm giving it to you. And you're going to go all around the world. And you're going to bring the good news about me to everyone. And invite people into this kingship by submitting every part of their lives to my kingship. And through that, and through that, they get to be part of this new kingdom. And yes, I, I get to be their personal savior. And yes, I live inside of them. But that's just a byproduct. Here's what you need to do is everyone needs to submit to my kingship. And they do it. These 11 guys, they do it. They get some help. They get some partners. They, they get out there. And what they do is they build these little reverse Babylon communities. Not anti-Babylon communities, right? They're not out there with, with the signs of pickets saying Babylon's bad, sin is awful. No, no, no. They just build these reverse Babylon communities where everything that Babylon does, where everything that Babylon tears down and breaks down and hurts and kills and destroys, they step into those areas and say, no, no, no. We are actually opposite of that. Our kingdom, I know, I know we live in Babylon, but we're citizens of a new, of a new, um, a, a new nation, a new kingdom. And so we're going to bring the truth of that kingdom into this. And we are just going to be reverse Babylon communities. And those reverse Babylon communities were called ecclesias back then. We call them churches now. And their whole thing was just like, hey, we're, we're, we're not anti. We're just, we're just trying to get better. And even if you don't believe with us, we want to make your lives better. We want to show you what love really looks like. And through that, they, they absolutely changed the world. All because they were citizens of a new kingdom. And they made Jesus their king. They didn't just simply uh, ask him into their heart or do something like that. They made them their king. And they became new citizens living in this new culture. And what does any of this have to do with potty talk? Right? Seriously, Craig, where are you going with this? Well, when we take this mindset of this is the kingdom and this is how it's laid out. And this is the whole story, our whole story, God's whole story that he invites us to be part of. We get to play a small piece in this story. When we take all of this knowledge and we place it in here and we reread what Paul said, why we don't talk this way, it begins to make sense for us. So we, we got it up here. If he, so this is kind of between those two verses that we just talked about. He says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, right? 
Right? We're no longer estranged to God. We're no longer, oh yeah, there's that guy. But we are his children. We're different people. We're, 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 we're brought into this family. We're different people. So as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Remember, that's our number one ethic. That whatever love requires, that's what we're going to do. So just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. So that is, that's our picture. This is what love looks like. Right? So our overcoming ethic of, of our new life, of our new citizenry, is love. And by the way, here's what it looks like. It looks like love so much that someone would lay down their lives for someone else. This is what it looks like. And then he goes on. So because of that love, because of this new ethic, because you're a new person, because you're part of this family, this is the way you act. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper of God's holy people. So why do we not do that? Well, because that's the way we used to live, right? When, when we were Babylonians, right? That's the way we used to live, but we're no longer part of that citizenry. We've been, we've been made part of this new citizenry, and, and it's just improper for us to act that way. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And for some of you are like, You've been waiting for that word. Like, isn't he supposed to do a Thanksgiving talk? There it is. There's your Thanksgiving sermon right there. Uh-huh. Check it. We got that done. So it, why, why do we not talk this way? Because it's out of place. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's who I was. But it's not who I am now. It's just out of place. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's not sin. It's not okay. It's not this or that. It's just, it's just out of place. Who, who are you? Oh, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. Oh, okay. Well, then I, and it's not just, it's just not the way we talk, right? It's what we do with our, with our, with our sexual desires. It's what, the way we interact with, with our money and our stuff and everything like that. It should look different than Babylon, right? Because it's, it just would be out of place for us to act like everyone else. Because we're not like everyone else. We're not normal. We're citizens of heaven. So the reason that we talk this way, the reason that we act this way, the reason that we interact um, with, uh, with our sexual desires, with the alcohol, with, with cheating in school, the reason that we act, interact differently than most people is because we're citizens of heaven and it would just be simply out of place for us to act that way, for us to speak that way. So when you put this idea, this concept all together, we realize it's not about, okay, is this a sin? Is this not a sin? Because honestly, that way of thinking is the way that someone who has asked Jesus into their heart thinks. They haven't made Jesus king, but, they, but their relationship with Jesus is, what can I get out of this? What can, I, what can I get out of this? And how can I manipulate God? Like, if I, if I do enough good things, then God will be on my side. And if I don't say these words, then obviously God's going to love me more than people that do say those words. It's not about that. It's not about manipulating God. It's about living this new kingdom culture, this new ethic, this new way of living. That we've laid down our old citizenry, and we picked up this new citizen life, this kingdom life, and it's not about right and wrong or sin or not sin. It's about living inside of this new kingdom. So, so where do we go from here? What do we do with all this? Well, I want, I want to suggest just four things real quick, and then we'll be done. Um, so what now? Well, first thing is you need to do this, is you need to make Jesus King Jesus. 
And, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this here at this church as a youth pastor. I'm guilty of this as a senior pastor in my churches. Is um, wanting to make the on-ramp to Christianity as simple and as easy as possible. And so we go, we, we, we try to make it easy. And we say, we, we, we put the bar really, really low. And we say, hey, just simply just ask Jesus into your heart. And make him your personal savior. And do this and this. And we try to make it super easy. But it should concern you that the idea of personal savior, ask Jesus into your heart, can't be found anywhere in the New Testament. It's not in there. Go ahead and flip all the way through it. Read it tonight. Read it tomorrow. It's not in there. What is in there is people saying Jesus is king and I'm going to submit every part of my life to him. And what we've done is, unfortunately, and I've done this too, I've, I've helped inoculate people against King Jesus. Right? You give them just enough Jesus where they don't get the full infection of King Jesus. And so what we need to do is yes, Jesus is our personal Savior. Yes, he lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. All those things are true, but they're true because we make him king, not because we say a prayer on the last night of camp. We make him King Jesus. And not just King Jesus over some of our lives, or some areas, some of our decisions, but we make him King Jesus over everywhere. And let me just put your mind at ease. He is a good king. He invites us to be his sons and daughters and his friend. It's good to be the king's friend. So we make him King Jesus in our lives. And we need to move away from this. Um, Jesus um, is a genie. Jesus is Santa Claus. Jesus is whatever. No, he's king. Let's make him king. The other thing we need to do is, um, is we need to uneat the fruit. We need to somehow go back to the Garden of Eden, right? Into his delight. And we need to uneat that fruit. Where we are making the decision, well, the, uh, uh, I make the decisions between good and evil. No, we just need to engage in, in this new culture. And when we find something new, where it says, oh, oh, well, it says this about this way of living. Okay, well, not the way I've been living. But now that I see it, I've made him king. He chooses good and evil. And so uh, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, oh, well, here it is. Um, oh, it seems like that a man and a woman come together and are married and then are made one in flesh. But wait a second. I'm living with my girlfriend. I'm sleeping with my boyfriend. I'm doing this. But now I've, I've learned this. Before I was choosing good and evil. But now I see that God's laid out. This is his best plan for my sexuality. Okay then I'll engage in that. That's what I'm going to do. Because I've uneaten the fruit. I, I'm not going to choose good and evil anymore. I'm going to let him choose good and evil for me. We need to go back and uneat that fruit. Next is we need to engage in a, a, reverse, uh, a reverse Babylon culture. We need to join and be part of a church who's living this way. And they go out and they live this reverse Babylon culture in a way that's not judgy. Right? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't go into other cultures and look at their culture and say, oh, jeez, man, you guys are still rubbing sticks together for fire. The doy. You know, it is, we, we embrace their culture and say, oh, hey, I see what's going on there. Man, that's, that's amazing. That you could, I can never do that. Hey, can I show you how matches work? Right? We do the same thing. We, we engage our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our family who are far from God, who very much enjoy living in Babylon. And we say, hey, I see what you're doing there. Man, can I, can I just share with you another way? I want to invite you into this kingdom. 
In this kingdom, I, I know in Babylon, everyone's, it's, it's dog versus dog, dog eat dog, and you're fighting and clawing your way to the top and everything like that. Uh, here's, here's the ethic I'm trying to learn and live from. Because it's just, it's just who I am now. In every single way. And I got to tell myself this over and over again because I'm not good at this yet, but I'm getting better. So I want to put others first. I want to put their needs before my own. And could you imagine if, if everyone did that? If we lived in a world where everyone did that? What would that be like? And we just engage people. We don't look down on other people's cultures. But we engage people and we invite them into this kingdom culture. It's, it's, the, it's the best way of doing life. As a new human in this new culture. And so we need to engage in that. And we, right, Trinity needs to be that. Not an anti-Babylon culture where you've got the, you're on the picket lines and you've got the signs and everything. But no, we engage and just, we just want to embrace every part of Walla Walla, every part of this. And we just want to bring the love of Jesus into it. And we want to, wherever there's hurt, wherever there's pain, wherever there's darkness, wherever there's sin, whenever there's the destruction of that divided kingdom, we just want to bring that kingdom in. And hey, you may not, you may not agree with us. You may think we're nuts. But you're going to love being loved by us. That's just what we're going to do. Because we are reverse Babylon society. So what does that look like for you individually as part of a church? And last is, is this, is, is rest in your new identity. All right? There's nothing you could do to be more a citizen of heaven. Like you're the, you might make a thing right now, like, like the only thing you got out of this is I got to stop cussing. I got to stop cussing. I got to stop cussing. If you never cussed again, you would be no more a citizen of heaven than you are right now by making him king. And, and here's the deal. If you were going to, if you're going to move your citizenry from, from the United States to, to pick a country, Argentina, whatever, it would take you a long time to fully embrace their culture. It's going to take you a long time to learn their language. It's going to take you a long time to, to, to lose your old accent and, and gain that new accent. It's going to be all those things. And even if you've been doing it for a long, long time, you're going to realize you still have some of that on you. And just like coming out of Babylon into this new culture, you're going to realize that you still have some of Babylon on you. Sometimes you'll realize it yourself. You're like, what's that smell? Oh, gosh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's Babylon. Does someone have a stick? Can I, can I get a hose over here? I got some Babylon on me. Sometimes you being in community with one another, someone's going to say, "Hey, so I'm so glad I'm so glad we're in this kingdom together." Um, I've got some Babylon issues that I'm trying to grow out of. Would you help me? Because I see that you have some Babylon issues too, and maybe we could help one another, and we could grow out of that. There's no bit of striving and working towards like, or beating yourself up like, oh gosh, I just can't believe I do that. I'm just not supposed to do that anymore. And now God's going to be mad at me. That's once again, that's trying to manipulate God by your actions. Just rest in this and let him make you into this new citizen of this new kingdom. There's no bit of striving. There's no bit of work that's going to make you more a citizen of heaven. But rest in that. And when we do that, when we all engage in that, it keeps us from judging other people, but it also keeps us from loathing ourselves as we move through this growth process. 
But we engage in this communion mindset. We keep on every day making the decision that Jesus is king of my life. I'm no longer the chooser of good and evil and letting him choose. I'm engaging in this reverse um, Babylon culture, which is helping me grow. All of these things are coming to making me more and more and more look like a son and daughter of the king. And we can rest in that. Well, that's my hope for you this morning. That's my hope for me. That's where I'm living right now. I'm, I'm trying to engage in the idea of resting in that. There's no bit of striving. There's no bit of good, enough good sermons or enough, enough people converted, enough baptisms that's going to make me more a citizen or a better citizen. It's just, I need to rest in that. I want that for you guys too. I also want you guys to be a, a church that is really a reverse Babylon society. I know you guys are working hard to do that. As Christmas comes up, you guys are having lots of opportunities to spread God's love in this community. Way to go. Keep at it. If you're not engaged in that, engage in that. God is changing the world through these reverse Babylon societies. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me that we would live this new mindset out. Not trying to manipulate God by, by not sinning or not, not doing this or getting really, really close to the edge but not completely stepping over it. <clears throat> but to live fully as citizens of the kingdom. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, for your big story, God. Um, God, thank you that we were able to just stop and slow down and just look at start to finish. God, I know one day you will come back and you will establish your kingdom here on earth in a cataclysmic way, God. You will finally defeat Babylon and you will set up your new delight here on earth. God, uh, until then, God, would you help us? Would you help us to engage in, in reversing the, the power of sin and death and destruction? Would you help us completely submit our entire lives to you, making you king over everything, and in that way, engaging in this new way of being human, this new way of living? God, would you help us do that? To, uh, to your glory and to the building of your kingdom, would you help us do that? God, we pray that in your son's name. Amen.